heard like four or five of you singing along, so that's always a good way to turn around. So in this clip from the real Lion King movie, we hear Scar and his hyena posse sing about the need to be prepared for the implementation of their plan to overthrow King Mufasa. And in the story of the Lion King, this is a really important song. It's a warning. It's a heads up that something important is about to happen, that Scar and his minions are going to try to change the way that the Pride Land is ruled. It's a message to be ready, to be prepared. And like Scar, many of us know that when important things are about to happen, it pays to be properly prepared. In the words of famous basketball coach John Wooden, preparation is the key to success. Or, as you Boy Scouts all know, it's really important to always be prepared. Whether you're winning college basketball championships like Wooden, or trying to take over the animal kingdom, whether you're learning how to set up tents, or doing something important like getting married, preparation is often the key to success. Now, of course, maybe you, like me, know that preparation is important because there's something that's happened in your life where you haven't been prepared. Several years ago, my family went on a trip from Michigan, where we were living at the time, up to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, we were taking this trip in the fall. And uh, in Michigan, where we were, it was about 60, 65 degrees, nice, crisp, cool fall weather. And so I was in normal Jacob clothing, a hoodie and shorts. Now, I know people in Missouri think that those of us from Michigan and Minnesota are from like way up in the great north, eh? But that's not quite true because Minnesota is much further north and much colder than where my family is from in Michigan. And so we got in the car. I'm comfortable. It's sunny. My hoodie and shorts, totally okay. We get in the car. We drive to Minneapolis. I get out of the car. It's six degrees out. And I am not prepared to do six degrees in my shorts. It's really important to be properly prepared. This morning, we're looking at a parable about proper preparation. We're doing this because right now at Rooftop, we're in the middle of a series called True Story, where each week we're looking at the life-changing truths that Jesus tells us in his parables. Jesus was a teacher, and like all good teachers, he used stories to illustrate his points, to communicate his messages, and we call these stories parables. And so, in the past several weeks, we've looked at a number of parables. We've looked at the parable of the vineyard workers. We've looked at the parable of the persistent widow. We've looked at the parable of the sower, and today, we're looking at another parable, a parable about preparation. Now, the parable that we are looking at today goes by several different names. You may have heard it as the parable of the wise and foolish maidens, or maybe the parable of the ten maidens, or perhaps the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. It really doesn't matter what you've heard it called. Uh, it's all the same parable, and it all occurs in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. So follow along with me as I read our true story this morning. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. 
but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So in this parable, Jesus is telling the story of a wedding party. More precisely, he's telling the story of uh, bridesmaids as they are getting ready for the wedding party. And we learned that there are five wise bridesmaids and five foolish bridesmaids. And the foolish bridesmaids are foolish because they didn't bring oil for their lamps. This is a picture of what a lamp in Jesus' day may have looked like. And you have to burn oil to make this work. So the foolish bridesmaids did not bring enough oil to be prepared for the coming of the groom. And so they had to go to their favorite oil merchant in the middle of the night and get oil and come back. And when they get back, perhaps unfairly, they find that they have been locked out of the wedding feast. That's our parable. Now, parables sometimes appear straightforward, right? They're pretty easy. It's pretty easy to understand. And perhaps this is one of those parables. Jesus is very clearly telling us about the importance of preparation. He's using a story from a wedding to explain to us, hey, before you do something, make sure you're ready. Make sure you're prepared. Don't go to a wedding without a wedding gift. Don't go to Minnesota just wearing shorts. Don't try to take over the animal kingdom without a plan and a hyena army. All right, be prepared. Good lesson, Jesus. Short sermon today. There we go. But, and I hope you're beginning to see this as we go through these parables week to week, more often than not, there's more to parables than meets the eye. You see, parables aren't just simple, easy little stories. There's another layer of meaning to them. There's a little more complexity and perhaps a little more confusion that comes with a parable when you really dig into it. And so to really understand this parable this morning, to really get this parable, today we're going to look at three principles for understanding parables. Three things to remember when you're reading and trying to understand one of Jesus' stories. Now, I give these principles with a caveat. And the caveat is that parables are complex, they're nuanced, there's lots of different ways to interpret them, and so I'm calling these things principles, not rules, because sometimes you might read a parable that doesn't really fit with these things. That's possible. But today's parable is really helped by looking at these principles. These principles really help us make sense of what Jesus is saying today, and so we're going to use these principles to understand what's going on. And our first principle is to pay attention to the literary context. 
Pay attention to the literary context. That is, pay attention to the stuff that happens in Scripture around the parable, the stuff that happens before, the stuff that happens after. Pay attention to the literary context. And if you look at Matthew chapters 24 and 25, which are the chapters surrounding our parable this morning, you see that in these chapters, Jesus has some pretty specific things to say about the end of the world, about the need for preparation, about the need for faithfulness, about the coming of the Son of Man. You see, these chapters around our parable this morning are all about how things are going to be in the end. No fewer than six times in these chapters, Jesus says something like, pay attention, be awake, including what is probably the heart of this section, where he says, keep awake, therefore, for you don't know the day that the Lord is coming. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. You see, Matthew 24 and 25 contain some of the most important Christian teachings on what we call eschatology. There's your big word for the day, eschatology. Just means study of the end. Very specifically, the study of the end of the world. Because this parable and the things surrounding it are all about how the world is going to end. Christianity tells a story, and the story is that there was a beginning to time, we are now in the middle of time, and someday there's going to be an end of time. And for millennia, Christians have believed and said that someday Jesus is going to return from heaven where he is. He's going to come from heaven down to earth, and the world's going to end. There's going to be judgment for right and wrong. Jesus is going to fix the things that are wrong with our world, and he's going to reign as king. That's the story of the end. And that's the context of our parable this morning, the eventual end of the world. This parable and all the stuff around it in the Gospel of Matthew are telling us that you need to be prepared. And if you're not prepared, eventually, at the end, you're going to suffer the consequences for your lack of preparation. And this parable tells us very specifically that the end is going to occur suddenly, like a cry at midnight. And it also tells us that when the end occurs like the bridesmaids need for their own oil, only your preparation is going to get you through. And so while on its own, you could look at this parable and you could take it as, an, as a reminder to be a good Boy Scout and be generally prepared, in its literary context, this parable actually has a little bit more of an edge to it. We need to be prepared, yes, but we need to be prepared for the end for God's judgment. Now, that context is important because it leads us to the second principle for reading and understanding parables. That we need to look for the expected and the unexpected. We need to look at the things in the parable that are pretty normal and the things that are a little less normal. And our parable has some of both of those things today. Uh, first, think about the context and the setting, what's going on in our parable. It's a wedding. Now, weddings today are a little bit different than weddings in Jesus' day. Uh, weddings today are a little more compact. Uh, for example, when Haley and I got married, it was pretty straightforward. We showed up at the church, we got married, we took some pictures, we went a mile down the street to the reception, boom. Couple hours, done. 
stressful, but straightforward. In Jesus' day, weddings were a bit more complicated. Beginning with the betrothal of a man and a woman to each other, there was this long, complicated, multi-layer, multi-stage, multi-day process. Most of the time in the ancient Near East, in, in Jesus' day, we would begin with this scenario here. You would have the bride and the wedding party waiting in one location, while at another location you would have the groom and the father of the bride. And the groom and the father of the bride would work through kind of the first legal stage of the marriage, the transfer of the bride from the household of the father <coughs> to the household of the son. That's the first thing. And then once that happens, the groom would leave the father of the bride, and he would go through the village to the bride, and then he and the bride would be together for a moment, and then they would move on to the next stage of the wedding, where they would exchange vows together. And this is the part of the wedding that you and I are mostly familiar with today, where a bride and a groom exchange vows together. And then only after that step would they go to the, what you and I think of as the reception. Then they would go to the party with all of their friends. So it's a little more complicated, but this is pretty normal for Jesus' day. And if we know this, we know that our parable for this morning is actually pretty normal. The setting that we have for our parable is happening at the first stage of an ancient wedding, when the groom and the father of the bride are working through the legal process that kind of kicks things off. So our parable is actually pretty normal. But what's not normal about our parable are the characters that we are looking at, the bridesmaids. NRSV uses the word bridesmaid if you're following along in a Bible. Uh, it may say maiden or virgin. And all of those terms are good, but they're not, they miss a little something. Because the idea here is not that these are just random bridesmaids. These are actually groom's women. That is, they're women who are involved in the wedding party who are part of the groom's side of things. And that's important because of what happens in verses 11 and 12. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. Later, the other bridesmaids, the other groomswomen, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he replied, the groom replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Well, that's just weird. The, the groom is saying about the ladies on his side of the wedding party, I don't know you. That would be like me telling my brothers, who are my groomsmen, I don't know you guys. You showed up late. I don't know, have any idea who you are. That's bizarre. The groom should know the people who are on his side of the wedding party. Uh, maybe not, I don't know. You guys, did you guys know the people on your side of your wedding party? Usually those people are kind of important, but no, not here. This is weird. This is bizarre. It comes across as a little unloving. And if the groom is Jesus, which is pretty clearly what we're supposed to understand in the context of this parable, it's a little worrisome that the groom doesn't recognize the people who are in his own wedding party. And it leads me to wonder, at least, if at the end of time, when we're supposed to be going into Jesus' wedding party, are there going to be people who know Jesus 
who aren't invited to his wedding? Are there going to be people who are Christians, who know the groom, who aren't going to get invited into heaven? Seems to be what the parable is saying here. Now I want to answer that question, but to do that we really need to look at our third principle for understanding parables, and that is the principle of paying careful attention to the last line of the parable. Pay careful attention to the last line of the parable, because the thing at the end very oftentimes helps you understand the rest of what is being said. It's kind of like the movie Planet of the Apes, the original one with Charlton Heston, not the 27 reboots or sequels. Okay, now, first service, I got in trouble for this. If you haven't seen Planet of the Apes by now, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been out for a while. Uh, so, I'm going to tell you the end. If you don't know the end of the Planet of the Apes, now's your chance to look away. So, at the end of Planet of the Apes, we come to this scene where Charlton Heston discovers the Statue of Liberty, right? And this scene changes the rest of the movie. This scene makes you rethink the whole movie that you just watched. It tells you, oh, this isn't a lost in space movie. This is a time travel movie. The end changes everything that came before. It makes you reinterpret what you've watched. And the same is true for a lot of parables. The last line of the parable gives you the key to understanding the rest of the parable. And so it is with our parable this morning. Look at the last line. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Jesus is telling us, hey guys, this looks like a story about a wedding, but it's really not a story about a wedding. It's a story about preparation. It's a story about preparation, not just for the arrival of the groom, but for the arrival of Jesus. Be prepared, because he's coming, and you don't know when he's going to come. You see, someday Jesus is going to show up, and it's going to be good news, and it's going to be bad news. It's going to be good news for people who are ready for Jesus. It's going to be good news for those who are prepared, good news for those who are going to go get their party on and be in the wedding feast forever. But at the same time, at the exact same time, Jesus is coming, it's going to be bad news for those who are unprepared. It's going to be bad news for people who aren't ready, because when they're not ready, they're going to get separated from God and from his son's wedding party for eternity. You see, it's here with the last line of our parable, it's here at the end of our parable that I think we really get to our key lesson for today. The lesson that true faith requires faithfulness. True faith requires faithfulness. You see, you, it's not enough to just follow Jesus. It's not enough to just say you have faith. You actually have to follow through. You have to be prepared. You have to be faithful. You have to be ready. This parable is telling us that it's not enough to just know who Jesus is. It's not enough to want to go to the wedding. It's not enough to just show up. You have to be ready. Our true faith requires our true faithfulness. Just a moment ago, I asked, 
if it's possible that people who are Christians may not make it into heaven someday. I want to be very honest, and I don't want to push the interpretive limits of this parable too far, because there are lots of things in Scripture about how God holds his people in his hands, and how God takes care of those who follow him, and about how God is faithful even when we're not. So I don't want to do injustice to those parts of Scripture. But at the same time, we can't ignore the lesson of this parable. There's a warning here. There's a warning we need to listen to. That if you're not faithful, you might not make the wedding party. You might be left on the outside looking in. And of course, this is intended to remind us of the utter importance of being prepared, of being ready, of being faithful. And of course, this should ask, make us ask, what on earth does faithful preparation look like? How can I make sure that I am going to make it to the wedding party in heaven? In several weeks, we're going to look at another parable in Matthew 25, and it's going to get into a lot of the ins and outs of what faithful preparation look like. So I don't want to steal the thunder from that parable. But I do think this parable gives us a start, and it speaks to three aspects of what faithful preparation look like. So how can we be faithfully prepared for the wedding party? Three things. First, faithful preparation in means consistently following Jesus. Consistently following Jesus. The wise maidens didn't just show up to the wedding all willy-nilly, ready to do whatever they wanted. They had to be prepared. They had to get ready. They had to get their oil, and they had to bring it. They were consistent, and they followed through. And the same is true when it comes to following Jesus. We have to be consistent, and we have to follow through. Guys, following Jesus is not a one-time thing. You have to do it again and again. Following Jesus is not something you did once when you were a kid. It's not something that you did once at summer camp. It's not something you do once after a really good sermon on the parable of the sower. Following Jesus requires consistency. It means following Jesus even when things are bad. To paraphrase the Apostle Paul, it means fighting the good fight, running the race. Faithful preparation for Jesus' return means consistently following Jesus, day after day, again and again. The second aspect of faithful preparation that this parable points us to is that faithful preparation involves not becoming apathetic about the end. This is the problem with the foolish bridesmaids. They got apathetic. They didn't think they needed to be prepared. But we cannot not expect Jesus to show up at any point. I have this lesson burned into my mind thanks to the skillful instruction of my parents. When I was a teenager, my parents went on a trip and they left me at home with a list of chores to do. And me being me, I wasn't exactly, shall we say, motivated to do said list of chores. And I figured I could just do what I wanted throughout most of the day and then finish the things up before mom and dad got home. And then lo and behold, I looked up and they were home already and I hadn't done my work. I was unprepared for the sudden arrival of my parents. And I suffered the consequences 
While the rest of my family got to do something fun that night, I had to work long into the evening finishing the work that I was supposed to do. Now, when I guilt my children with this story when they're older, I'm going to tell them that the lesson here is don't be like teenage Jacob, don't be apathetic. And that's the lesson of our parable too. We can't be apathetic about the second coming of Jesus. We can't ignore it. We can't act like it's not going to happen. We've got to be ready. Now, I'm sure that you, like me, are aware of Christians who are very, very interested in the second coming of Jesus. People who are always looking at the news, always looking at politics, trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back. And to be entirely honest with you this morning, I'm actually a little skeptical that we can ever predict with any degree of even remote semi-certainty when Jesus is going to come back. Because Jesus says things like, you know, no one knows the day or the hour, including in our parable this morning. But that's beside the point. The point is, one result of my skepticism about being able to predict when Jesus comes back is that I sometimes get apathetic about his coming back. In my desire to not be obsessed with the end of the world, sometimes I act like the world is just going to go on forever. And when I act like Jesus isn't coming back, I get less prepared for his arrival. And that's a problem. Because this parable tells us that we can't be apathetic about the arrival of the Son. We've got to be prepared. And the third aspect of faithful preparation that this parable points us to is that we don't have to be perfect to be prepared. Look again at verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. I think this is the most encouraging verse in this parable. Even the wise bridesmaids fell asleep. They fell down on the job. They weren't completely and always prepared. They screwed up too. They literally fell asleep on the job. Now, when the bridegroom showed up, they were ready. They got up, they did what they needed to do, but I think there's a lesson here for those of us who sometimes fall asleep and sometimes mess up. We don't have to be perfect to make it into heaven. We don't have to never mess up or never miss anything. Guys, Jesus doesn't need us to be perfect. He just wants us to be prepared. He just wants us to know him and to be ready for his arrival, excited that he's going to show back up. We don't have to be perfect. We just need to be prepared. Guys, I think this parable should cause us, should cause everyone in this room to stop and to seriously consider if we are ready. I think this is especially true for those of us who have grown up in the church and for whom this Jesus thing is normal. Are you ready? Are you really prepared? Are you prepared for the wedding feast? Because it really sucks to get left out of a wedding. You guys ever experienced that? Maybe you thought you were going to be part of a wedding or you thought you were going to be part of something important and then you got left out. 
This happened to Haley and I a few years ago. Uh, there was one of our friends from a previous church who was getting married. She'd been a part of our wedding, and uh, we were invited to be there, and so we took time off work. We went up early. We were helping with everything. We were ready to be a part of the wedding, and then at the last moment, we got left out. We got ignored, and it hurt. We just wanted to be a part of what was going on. We just wanted to be with our friend. We just wanted to celebrate with them. And instead we got left knocking at the door. And if you've ever been a part of something like this that hurts where you get left behind, you know how bad it feels. Imagine how much worse it's going to be if you get left out of Jesus' wedding party. And if you're here this morning and you don't think you're going to be in Jesus' wedding party, you need to get ready. You've got to get prepared. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, I don't even know if I'd be one of the foolish maidens who gets invited but then doesn't do the right thing. Don't get left outside the wedding party looking in. Make the choice. Follow Jesus. Trust who he says he is. He's the Son of God, and give your life to him as risen Lord. Get prepared. Get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Keep awake, because you don't know the day or the hour. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, and for sending him to earth to teach us and warn us through his parables. Lord, so many of us don't like thinking about the end of the world and judgment, but you've given us this parable this morning so that we can think and wrestle with and respond to this warning. Make us wise bridesmaids, Lord. Help us to be prepared. To not just be ready, but to be eager for Jesus' coming. Help us get over ourselves. To put aside our selfishness and our pride and our desire to just do the things that we want to do. Give us consistency. Save us from apathy and distraction and remind us that we don't need to be perfect. We just need to be prepared. Prepare us for Jesus' second coming this morning, Lord, especially those who are here who just are not ready. And Lord, with the church, for the past 2,000 years, we pray that Jesus would come quickly. And it's in his name we pray.